You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. Did we give up on the board? Did we give up on the board, the whiteboard? Finding another one. Finding another one. Okay. Uh, let me introduce my wife, Tanner, right over here. Uh, this is the one that I, I, I got on my knees and apologized. We learned it's not just a pastor story. It actually happened. She was really nervous about it, but uh, it was a very, very momentous moment in our marriage. And let me just say this. Uh, we're talking about building your leadership uh, through the, the Enneagram. And let me just say this. Uh, you know, Samuel's Church started literally with just my wife and I. We, we moved from Huntington Beach to Riverside, and said, why would you leave the beach to Riverside? Well, Moses followed, right, the cloud by day, and followed the smoke by day, the fog, the smog, right, and we went out to Riverside. And uh, let me just state why, because I was in seminary, and everybody was planting churches in places like Good Beach, and Malibu, and San Diego, and God was calling La Jolla, Hawaii, and I just thought, well, that's interesting, because young people can't afford to live in any of those places, and everybody's moving to the Inland Empire. How come God, how come God is unaware that all the people are moving there, but he's, he's forgetting to call someone there. And so, and, and the bottom line is, is I, I think this is the key to God u- utilizing you, is that you're always the greatest barrier to what God wants to do in and through you. And so that, that's what I think the Enneagram is going to help you realize, is I think we can make excuses as to why my church isn't growing, why my ministry is not growing. Uh, and and our, our, our culture is... Uh, I mean, they've got plenty. They've got plenty of reasons you can be a victim. They've got plenty of reasons why why you can't do what God's called you to do. But I want you to know that on Judgment Day, uh, you know, all that press isn't going to be there. It's going to be you, the Lord, and what He called you to do. And and, and what He's He's not going to measure excuses. He's going to measure what Paul says. I'm going to put forth what I did, and we're going to see if it's gold. We're going to see if it's silver, or if it's hair, it's straw. Right? If that happens, it's burned up. So. I, I just live my life saying, okay, Lord, I want to be used by you, and I want my life to make a difference. And as a Christian leader, right, we have to make, it, we have to make a decision. Do I want to be famous? Do I want to be rich? Or do I want to be used by God? And so um, God has wrestled with me through that. Um, I'm not saying that I was always willing and obedient to stay in Riverside. Uh, you know, Santos doesn't get the attention that many other churches uh, in, in much more... Um, Important cities culturally, and that's just the reality. But you got to go where God's planted you, and, and you got to stay there and trust Him in that process. And so, uh, let me just say this: It's not where you where you are in a location; it's where you at, where you at spiritually, emotionally, and physically. You got to go look at yourself. So, the Enneagram is a tool. All it is is a tool to help you look at yourself. Well, is it New Age? Well, I don't know. Is a shovel New Age? Somebody invented it. I don't know when it was invented, but at some point, right, things were invented. Tools were invented. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable with the Enneagram, and we'll talk about that if they let me draw. Um, Because you look at it, like, oh, that feels like a a pentagram. Well, actually, that's something totally different. But uh, it does have points of connection, so if that freaks you out, you know, we can do healings at the end. But here's the thing is, is, is I don't want you to become an expert on the Enneagram. I want you to become an expert on you. And so the Enneagram will help you see you. And I, I just want you to know that the Bible is full of tools that God uses to point people in the right direction. Like, for example, one of my favorite stories, Balaam. What, what does God use to point Balaam in the right direction? Does anybody remember? It's a donkey talking donkey. Right? So if God can use an ass... To direct you, he might be able to use the Enneagram. Also, let me just say this. Anybody, anybody ever celebrated Christmas? Just a couple of you celebrated Christmas. Let me explain to those of you who are culturally unaware of what Christmas is. Um, we celebrate on the 25th. And, and so when we set up a nativity scene, has anybody ever thought about the vast majority of the people in that nativity scene are pagans? What, what are they, right? So they, it's, your Bible says they're wise men from the east. Anybody take Greek? Okay, that's not what it says. In the Greek, it says magos. It's translated into Latin, magi, into English, wise men. What the heck happened? Well, if you're a homeschool mom, hold on to your seats. The reason behind that is because the most logical translation would be magician. Holy Harry Potter, amen? And so here, here's all I want you to know is King Herod, King Herod and all his wise men, 
They had the Bible. They had the Word of God. The Holy Spirit's rooting for them. He, the Father chose them, right? They're the chosen people. Like, so they've got a lot on their team. And we got a bunch of pagans from the east who are looking at the stars and they find Jesus. So whenever people say, well, Pastor Matt, that's new age. This is, look, if, if it can help you find you so God can deal with your heart. And here's why I use the Enneagram at Sandals. People are uninterested culture. I don't have a hard time getting people to believe in God. I have a hard time getting people to believe they're sinners. Wow. Right? In California, that's Republicans, right? You're like, oh, my God, you guys, whatever. Or, or Democrats, whatever you are. You know, it's them. But, but the reality is the gospel, the struggle with the gospel is getting people to see themselves, that there's an actual problem. And, um, you know, for those of you in ministry, we've all had friends that go to the hospital and they say, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I felt fine. But the test reveals something else. And so what the Enneagram is, is a test that helps you see yourself for who you are. And so, um, I still know, know nothing on that. So I really would like to draw because I think it helps you understand what the Enneagram is. If, if, if I can draw, um, let me see. Let me introduce uh, just a couple of people. My wife over there, stand up. Introduce, she helped me plant the church. And then right next to her is my very first worship leader, Moy Navarro. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Our first worship leader. And uh, this is not going to work, which is why they put it back there. Okay. So, I'm going to die. That was good. You see that? So, uh, no, that's okay. Do we have pens? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yes. If we can hold it, that would be magical. No pun intended. <laughs> you guys are the magi that have come from the east. Okay, so. So, boy, tomorrow, uh, where did we go? He was our first worship leader. And I can tell you, we did a lot of things wrong. Moy had to work for a leader who didn't know how to lead, didn't know himself. Totally insecure, absolute mess. Tammy had the pleasure of being married to that young man for a long time. And here's the scary thing. Listen to me, leaders. You probably are better than, the most, than most people you know. And that's a problem. That doesn't mean you're who you need to be or you're where Jesus wants to be. And so I thought it was pretty special. One of Tammy and I's great fights, uh, she was inside the bathroom uh, with the door closed. Why? Who knows? I'm a loving servant of Jesus on the other side of the door, and we're communicating through the door. Um, and I say this, why is it that everyone in the world thinks I'm amazing? And you... Think I'm terrible. And she says from the other side of the door, because nobody knows you the way I do. And I'm preaching. I'm leading the church. I'm a church planter. Right? And so the Enneagram helped me open my eyes to see, okay, here's how she's receiving me. Here's how the world receives me. It's not it's not my intent. And let me just say this, I, I, I just had this conversation with a 70-year-old woman, loves Jesus. Probably totally moral person. You, you could trust her with all your money and she'd never steal a dime. But she couldn't understand that she needed to apologize for something. And I had explained to her the difference between first degree murder, second degree murder, and third degree murder. Does anybody know the difference? It's one word, one English word. It's intent. First degree murder is I meant to kill you. I planned it, applauded the way before I killed you. Second degree murder is I intend to hurt you and oops, you died. Third degree murder is you just happen to be there. And I ran over you in the car after I drank. Either way, we saw the dead body. And so what happens in ministry is we're killing people. We never meant to, but we got churches full of dead bodies. So how do you how do you help somebody? How do you help somebody see all oh, man? And let me just say this, this this is why people leave the church. This is why people say I'm done with religion. This is why because nobody needs to. We're all praising Jesus, but we're slaughtering all these people everywhere, not intentionally. Because most of you are not evil. You are sinners, but you're not evil. And that's a whole other Greek lesson. The difference between those two things, right? The Greek word for sin is to miss the mark. Evil is I pointed the arrow at your head. That's it's different. So you can sin and accidentally kill somebody. Whereas evil is you intend to do it. And so we just need to be aware. So the Enneagram, sorry guys. Let's start off with, with a triangle. And I want you to write on the top of your paper a nine. To the right, a three, and to the left, a six. The Enneagram begins really with this idea. So you've seen a bunch of lines like it's a pentagram, he's going to put out candles and sacrifice the chicken. All it's doing, all, all the arrows do is point to relationships. That's all they do. 
The numbers are, are personality styles. That's all, that's all they are. And once you learn the numbers, you know how they work together. And so we have, up here at the 9, we have the 9, we have what's called the gut triad. The heart is called the head triad. Excuse me, the heart triad is called the heart triad. And then the head triad. She can help this. She's, she knows all this more than I do. So we have the gut, we have the heart, we have the head. What does that mean? Some people approach life without thinking about it. It's called their gut. We have a leader in America. His name is Donald Trump. Anybody heard of him? He's going to make America great again. How's he going to do it? He doesn't know. He's never thought about it. Follow him. Buy a hat. Let's go. Okay. And so, but then we have a whole other group. Oh, that's my feelings. Oh, they're processing. I don't know. And then this group's going, hey, he doesn't make any sense. He doesn't have a plan. I don't understand. And then one third of our country's going, it's about time somebody did something. You're like, did what? See what I'm saying? So people come at life differently. Now listen to Jesus' great command. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. Wow. Sounds like Jesus knew who he was talking to. People. Now some translations lack strength, but let's pretend that we all knew that. Okay? See what I'm saying? So Jesus says the great commandment deals with all three of us. Your soul is just that part of you that you're not aware of, but it's driving something. Your heart, right? Your feelings, your head, your thinking. And so we approach this. Here's the thing. Here's me. I'm a three. My wife's a six. Does anybody see how far apart those are? Like, you know nothing about the Enneagram. But in terms of united, that, right? We're, we're, we're as far apart as we can possibly be. So I'm coming out of emotion. I'm coming out of heart. I'm coming out of feeling. She's in her head. You're crazy. I don't understand you. Why are you doing this? And so here's the issue. The gut struggles with anger. The heart struggles with shame. And the head struggles with fear and anxiety. And the Enneagram is going to help you understand. So when Tammy and I fight, when we argue, and when you're a leader, you need to know where somebody's coming at. Because if I try to talk to a person in this triad with feelings and heart or thoughts and my mind, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right? Try, 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 try hitting Donald Trump with some facts. Fake news. <laughs> Stupid. Not interested. Because he's going by an internal compass that he knows. And let me just tell you this. Those kind of people make great leaders, and we're going to get to that. A lot of our leaders are in the gut triad. They don't know what they do, they just do it. They're born that way. And if you have a child, they come out that way and they tell you things are going to change. This time arrived. Right? And the rest of us over here are like crying. Oh my gosh, we're in charge. Tell the two year olds running the house. And this one's like, I got to read a book, download Dobson, download Focus on the Family. I'm going to understand, right, this person. Okay? See what I'm saying? So if you're in a relationship, if you're single, ladies, and you're dating a guy who's in the gut triad, you're like, I can change. No, no. These two, you got a good chance. Right? Because if you can connect to his heart or you can connect to his mind, there's a chance. But a person that is led internally by their compass, like that's like 99% of who they are. That's who they are. I mean, haven't you ever heard? Why doesn't somebody take away Donald Trump's swear? You don't think people have tried? It's not, it's not going to happen. We talk about feelings, you're hurting people's feelings. Look, your popularity dips exponentially every time you tweet, right? Yeah, whatever. Put out there. That's just who he is. That's who he is. Okay? So strong leaders are strong leaders. So we have the nine, we have the three, we have the six. So this is the gut triad. Their core issue is anger. We're going to talk about this. The three, the heart triad, they're dealing with shame. And then we have the six that's dealing with, with, with anxiety. And so I want you to think about Genesis 3 for a second. Genesis 3, and I know I'm covering a lot. But in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. What's the first thing that they do? They hide because they experience shame. Right? And then, you know, why did you hide? I was afraid. So they, they were naked with each other. Then they were afraid that God was coming. And, and, and God says, why did you do this? And Adam doesn't even know why, so he blames Eve. I, it's, yeah, it's her fault. So that's what this does. It's your fault. And so that's the way the gut triad sees the world. 
they come against the world. You did it. It's the woman you gave. Lord, everything was great to me and the animals. Then you made her naked and I lost my mind. So, I lost my pen. There we go. So, you got that down? We got the, we got the gut? Thank you. Is that more back there? Oh, no. Hi. Thank you. I forget your name. Brian, you're so awesome. Brian. That's what a church plan feels like. All the work, none credit. Thank you very much. Okay. So, we have nine. We have... Uh, where am I going? We have one. So, the Enneagram, they can't count. That's why it's really hard. Two. Four, five, seven, shoot, eight. Why they couldn't just start with one, two, three, I have no idea. I wasn't there. <laughs> so when you talk about these things, these three numbers are the gut triad. These three are the heart triad. These three are the thinking triad. So when you look at what looks like a pentagram, it actually is the way things relate. Oh, what am I missing? There we go. It's how the numbers work together. You're like, oh my gosh, you're sacrificing the chicken now. No. <laughs> the numbers, I mean, the lines just communicate relationships. So we're not going to get into that today. I just wanted to explain that to you. So when somebody's like, it's a star day, it's something. No, that's not what it is at all. It's talking about how we relate to each other. So let's, let's start with the one, and we're going to go all the way around. So if you're a one, the one is called the good person. We call it at Central Church the reformer. And they want to make the world a better place. A lot of people in leadership are this way. Politicians, teachers, social workers. I want to make the world a better place. Therefore, sin is anger. But anger is a sin, so they are not honest about it. And because they're a good person, it comes out as criticism. So if your pastor is a one, and he or she preaches, you feel criticized when they're angry. You should give more, serve more, be more, love more. Right? A lot of us grew up in this. And if you're not careful, it can become abusive. So if you're a one... You gotta be aware that you're not overly critical of people. So my wife and I, we had an encounter with our son, I'll talk about him for a minute. He's a, he's a five. He had, is it four A's or five A's? Four A's? Four A's and one C. What do you think we looked at? The C. You know my son's never had four A's in his life. It was devastating to him. We blew it. We blew it. And that's what, that's what a lot of us, especially if you grew up Catholic, right? You grew up Lutheran. You grew up in a traditional church. It's guilt-oriented. Yeah. You should, you should, you should, you should. The one shoulds all over themselves and others. <laughs> you got it? Okay. So this is the reformer. This is the helper. You couldn't have a church without these people. They do everything they help. We heard about a helper, right? Martha and Mary today. Lord, please tell her to stop listening to you and help me. So the helper sees the world in terms of what they do. But we've just left. We've just left the gut triad and we've gone to the shame triad. So here's the thing. Here's what the two believes. If I just serve enough, then I'll be good enough. So Adam and Eve covered themselves with leaves. The helper covers themselves with works. That's why Mormonism is so appealing. You might want to write that down. St. George. Right? If I do this, God's going to be happy with me. He's going to be pleased with me. And we know as Christians, right, He's pleased with us because of what Jesus did. So, so if you're a two, in your mind, you're constantly keeping score of all the things that you've done for people, especially if you're in ministry and then they leave, well, you're mad because you've got a list. And we just tell you that's going to happen. You fix somebody's marriage, they're going to take that fixed marriage and go to another church. You help somebody financially, they're going to get back on their feet and leave your church and never give a tithe. And you're like, ooh, and you just add it up. If you're married to this person, just know that they're, they're, they, they help you, but they're counting it. Yeah, yeah, I would love to help. Just like I always did, like I did yesterday and the day before. You count me, do And you know why they do it? So their core sin is, is anger, their core sin is pride. 
So you need me. See, the two has a need to be needed. Do you realize if you're a two in here, how, how, how codependent and dysfunctional you can be as a leader? So guess what twos do? Twos like to be in ministry for everybody screwed up. I can't, I can't let you get healthy, because if you get healthy, you don't need me. See? See what I'm saying? It's like, blow your mind. Okay? Then we have the three. I'm a three. Three, look at me, the achiever, successful. I'm in front of the class. Like, if you ever went to school with me, you knew my name on the first day because I was in trouble making noise, right? Like, look at me, look what I can do. You know, I mean, I just was always that person. And so remember, we're in the shame triad. So the two covers themselves with things they do. The three covers themselves with success, looks, car, money, all of this stuff. So when Tammy's on the other side of the door, and I'm saying, why don't you think I'm amazing? And she says, because no one knows you like I do. She's seen right through my cover. So the course in here is anger. Pride, the three, hopefully this, you already heard me speak today, so this is making me nervous. The three's core sin is lying. Anybody want to come to my church? <laughs> Which is why I started a church called Sandals, whose vision is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. You know why? Because I needed a place to be real. I had, I had to create a church that gave me permission. And if you guys have ever listened to me preach, you know I just share stuff. Like, I share stuff. Because I don't want people to worship me, I want to worship Jesus. And the three of me is, is so dysfunctional that I, I, I have to really manage attention. Or else it will manage me. Okay? And this is why we, we keep losing pastors. Because they're performers. And so what they're doing is they're keeping up a facade and there's stuff going on in the personal life and the gap just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point in time, we just lose you. And let me just tell you, I had not been for the Enneagram and about $10,000 worth of counseling. I don't know why I said about $10,000 worth of counseling. Tammy and I wouldn't be married. Sandals wouldn't have us as a pastor. And my kids would have screwed up lives. Because I would much rather cover myself with Mercedes Lees or name brand Lees. Right? And I'm going to do this. And so I want to put forth an image. So this, if this is you, you're probably going to be a dynamic leader, but you could lead a bunch of people to heaven or hell. I don't know where it's going. Then we got the four. Okay, so core sin is anger, core sin is pride, core sin is lying. The fourth core sin is envy. And here's the thing, if you're a four, the four, the fours are just incredible, unique people. I ran into a couple of my friends here at this conference, and they're fours. Most of them live in Portland. Shocking. <laughs> Like, they just live in Portland because they, they cannot they cannot deal with the rest of us in our uniformity, right? A four would rather die than drink Starbucks coffee. Okay? A four doesn't buy name brands. They got wool coming in from a friend of theirs who works in India who sewed it on their weekend off on a mission trip while digging a well. Right? These, these people are just, you know, I don't buy clothes. I make my clothes. Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're needing to be totally unique. And these are our biggest creatives, yeah. our biggest artists, right? They want to be unique. They want to express the glory of God. They're creatives. But here's the thing that's so bizarre is they have a hard time seeing themselves and their creativity because they're overwhelmed by the creative, creative nature of others. <clears throat> so listen to me, ladies. You, you could be a four and be the most beautiful woman in the room, but all you see is how ugly you are compared to everybody else. So guys, if you're a four and you're a leader, it doesn't matter, right? If, if you know, uh, you have three campuses, your church has 500 people, what are you going to focus on? If your church has 500, the person has 1,000. If you have two campuses, the guy who has four campuses. If you wrote a journal, the guy who wrote the book, and you're just going to be torn up inside. And let me just say this to you. Uh, I, I would love it if I had more time, but I think the best picture of a four in the Bible is King Saul. Anybody notice how the Jews describe King Saul? The first sentence in your Bible is he was head and shoulders above everyone else. Let me translate. There's nobody like Saul. And how Saul loses mind, he is envious of David. 
Before struggle with depression, anxiety, and they can just literally go crazy. Remember how Saul would listen to David play music? With a spear in his hand. That's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so here's what happens, guys. Some of our best creative leaders, we lose them. Because they just get into a world of depression, hate, and hurt. So if you're a four, you have to surround yourself with positive people. Okay, fives. This is what we most, most of us grew up with leaders that are fives. This is the observer. Oh, so the four struggles with envy. The five, now we've moved from the shame triad to the thinking triad. The fives is what most of us grew up in if you went to church. So what happens is the fives turn the church from a hospital into a seminary. And we teach you. And we go verse by verse, word by word. We're going to study this. You're going to know the Greek. You're going to know the Hebrew. And we're all going to feel dumb because you know more than the rest of us. Like if you're a five, I hate you in seminary because you got like 108 percent in Greek. And I got a C, which stands for Christ. <laughs> so this is the observant person. Now, here's the thing if you're a five, you've got to understand this. This is really hard. I think the most technical of all of them to understand. The core sin of the five is greed. You're like, oh, I'm not a greedy person. Greed is not a desire for more. Greed is a desire to maintain what you have. So fives are greedy with affection. So if you're married to a five, hugs, compliments, time, money, it's hard to come by. See, a five is afraid. They don't have enough energy. They don't have enough time. They don't have enough resources to deal with you. So if you're a pastor and you're five, you're going to spend 30 hours in your library and preach to your congregation when what they needed was 30 hours of your time. You ever heard that? Guys brag all the time about how much time they spend prepping a sermon. You know how much time I spend? As little as possible. You want to be a great pastor, a great leader? Man, study the Bible on your own time, but believe the people. Because that's where it's at. All the people in my seminary, all the people that did great academically have struggled in ministry. Have you noticed these people aren't textbooks? They just, they just aren't. Like you can leave a textbook, textbook one where you go somewhere and come back and it's still there. People are moving, sinning, screwing up, screwing off. Like it's a mess. And so fives oftentimes really, really struggle. But here's the thing, fives, here's why I love fives. They observe things that I don't. So if you're a pastor like me and you have multiple hirings, so Samuelson has 200 staff, there's a five on my team, and I want him to interview every person before I do. You know what my problem is, my interview? It's going to be hard for you to do this, but I talk too much. <laughs> so at the end of the interview, I'm going to think you're great because you listen to me. <laughs> You know what a five is going to do? And you're going to get awkward and start talking. And you have five going to take notes and they go, here, Pastor, that's what I think. You should hire or not hire. I've learned to listen to my fives. Because I'm like, look at me, look at me. And the observer's just going, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. And let me just tell you, if you want to take your leadership to the next level, hire good people. You want to screw up your church, your life, hire bad people. I tell you, I say this all the time. When we, get, when we hire somebody, it's like getting married. It's a whole lot easier to get married than it is divorced. So utilize fives. Fives have wisdom. They're very, very wise. We all need fives in our lives. Okay, then we get to Tammy, the six. Course in greed. The six is course in is fear. This is why everybody wants to be a six. I just want to be afraid. That's my sin. You don't want to be a six. My wife has to struggle every day not to just freak out. It's hard for her. Every single day. So these core sins is fear. The five is afraid of not having enough. The seven is afraid of missing out, being restricted. The six is afraid of everything. So Tammy on an airplane pilot comes on just to let us all know, hey, there's a chance we might be getting some turbulence. You know what my wife hears? We're all going to die. <laughs> We're all going to die. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the strength of the six. They're loyal. It's called the loyalist. The loyal person. Man, they'll be with you to the end. Because here's the six's greatest fear is being left, abandoned, or being insecure. Or not being secure and safe. So if you have a friend who's a six, they're not going to leave you. They're going to stay with you forever. But what if you leave them? Let me just say this, leaders. Is it 45% of America? 45 
So I think it's 55% of America are sixes. Anybody wonder why our news is what it is? Tonight below, you're going to die. <laughs> just, just watch your news cycle. They're preaching to these people. Right? We're all going to die. We're all going to kill each other. We're all afraid. Most Americans are sixes, which is just bizarre because we're stronger than any other nation on earth. It's not even close. We're terrified. So they're the loyalists. They're the good person. Uh, they, they, they are truth seekers. And here's why I believe God put us together. I'm a liar. Sixes want the truth no matter what. So God put us together to make a great team. Niall would actually, like, literally got married. I tried to get her to jump off a rock like for this time. I'm like, you can do it. You can do it. And she's like, oh my gosh. We're going to watch Sean slip and fell and hit her head because she would jump off a one foot rock. When we swim out of the ocean, like, still alive, still alive, still alive, still alive, right? It's just, it's just the way it is. Anxiety is crippling. It's crippling to them. Which, by the way, what does an angel say every time they appear? Do not be afraid. They're appearing your sixes. Okay, sevens. Anybody know North Coast Church? Sevens. Chris Brown. Oh my gosh, never said no to a cupcake. Nobody knows Chris Brown? Oh, dude, that guy's part of your box, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, never needed coffee in his life. Just like, wow! Man, seven. If you're a seven, when I said, is this you? You're like, yes! Why did you wait so long to get to us? We are literally so excited to be here. You're going to be enthusiasts. Like, you want to have a boring party and buy a bunch of fives. They're over in the corner going, oh. Seven's in the middle. Come on, Congo, let's go! So at your church, don't let the five do the announcements. Please turn to page seven. <laughs> we'll go to the order of service for the next 27 minutes. <laughs> right? You want the seven. We're so glad you're here. We don't even know what year it is, but we're glad you're here. Jesus loves you. Right? And they just make everybody feel great. So seven struggle with FOMO. So the seven's the enthusiast. So these make great leaders, youth leaders. Let's go! You don't want to get a bunch of fives. We're going to study uh, crickets. <laughs> fives, fives can geek out on stuff. Fives own fish tanks and can explain. And he's just like, you know what I'm saying? Fives own fish tanks and they can explain like exactly the pH of the water. <laughs> the seven just wants to meet each other. <laughs> If you're three, you become the biggest fish. Yeah. Okay. So the seventeen enthusiasts, and so their 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 core struggle is they're afraid of pain. So if you're a seven, you're going to run from every painful situation and never grow. So your church, your next church, your next husband, your next wife, they're going to love you for about thirty minutes. It'll be the greatest thing ever. And then when it gets hard, you bail. And that's why some of the people that you love the most, they're sevens, they're the hardest to connect with. They're a mile wide, an inch deep. So you come to these conferences, and this person on stage, oh my gosh, I would love to know them. They're never calling you, texting you. That's just not how God's wired them. They're on to the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing. And I used to chase these guys when I was a young pastor. Would you mentor me? They don't even mentor themselves. Like, what you want to ask the seven is, have you read your Bible? Ever? <laughs> right? This one wrote a Bible, right? The five. <laughs> the seven is like, I don't know what Once was fun, let's do it again and again and again and again and again. 
because they want to run from pain, right? Paul says in, uh, in Philippians, he says their God is their stomach. So they're constantly looking for what feels good. And, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control, not self-indulgence. So she's right. The greed withholds, the seven consumes. So just know that. And a lot of our leaders are seven. They want more, they want more, they want more. I'm my seven. I'm my seven. I'm a lot of fun, but I've been a lousy friend most of my life. Sorry. I'm working on it. Okay, eight powerful leaders. It's Donald Trump's an eight. Okay, and just if you don't like Donald Trump, Reverend Martin Luther King's an eight. Just different styles. Different styles. Same gift. Gandhi, an eight. Uh, who's the famous British leader? We will fight you in the land, in the air, in the sea. Winston Churchill. Did you guys realize, like, England was done? Like, it's, it's over. They have no army, no air force, whatever. And, and Winston Churchill gets on the radio and says, we're going to fight you everywhere. We're never going to surrender ever, ever, ever. This is why we need our eights. Eights are passionate, loud. They're powerful people. When they enter into the room, everyone immediately acknowledges their presence. I've never met our president. That's what my friends who have, that's what they said. He walks into the room. His presence is magnanimous. Is that the word? Magnanimous. Just think about that. Powerful, powerful people. Okay? What we call them at Sandals are eight holes. Listen, listen, when you're healthy, when you're healthy, you, you are the greatest gift of God. Right? A healthy eight is Samson on a good day. An unhealthy eight is Samson on a bad day. Anybody remember Samson's problem? In the Bible? Lust. You want to know what the, sin, the core sin of the eight is? Lust. Does that resonate with my president? Right? Ace to struggle with this, and it's a desire for control and power. Like, see, it's impossible for me to lust after my wife. Did you know that? I can't do it. Because she's mine. She's been given to me, and I've given myself to her. Lust is a desire for what is not yours. Not yours. It is someone else's. And you desire to take it and control it. So the eight wants to control, be in power. These, these, are, these are some of our greatest leaders. And here's the thing. The greater the gift of leadership, the greater the flaws. That's just the way it is. These are the people who are like, oh my gosh, I'd follow them and get to hell with a squirt gun. <laughs> right? Because they're just so strong. Then we have a nine. Does anybody see where the nine sits? On the top. The nine is a peaceful person. The beauty of the nine is they see all the styles. They see all the styles. They understand your point of view. They're wise. They're great counselors. Amazing people. Peaceful person. Their core sin? Laziness. Sloth. They struggle completing tasks because they see so many tasks to be done. And here's the thing, if you're a nine, people are going to be drawn to you, they're going to want to follow you, but you're never going to follow through. You show me a church that's not going anywhere, it's usually led by an unhealthy nine. One of our staff members is a nine, and he says, why stand when you can sit, and why sit when you can lay down? <laughs> So let me just close with this and I'll take some questions. These three struggle with uh, anger. You know, you, you feel the ace anger when they come to the room. The nine is unaware of their anger. So the eight is aggressive, the nine is passive, 
aggressive. So you ask me what, what you want, do, you, do I agree? And I go, yes, but inside I go, no, and I'm never doing that. <laughs> so if you're, if, you're, if you're married to a nine, like, they just always agree. They know. They just don't tell you. I'll save that to the 40 in your counseling. And they don't come out. So aggressive, passive aggressive, and this is regressive. It comes out as criticism sideways. Sideways, sideways, sideways. All right. Now you're all Enneagram experts. You go out and counsel people. Okay. Let's take some questions. Any questions? Right here, sir. So you, you mentioned that nine nine Enneagram thing. Okay. Yes. Are you an eight? She tells me I'm a nine. She's a nine. nine. She's eight. Okay. Uh, so my question is, you mentioned that healthy and the unhealthy aspects. I assume yeah. that they're both present. It's just a matter of which degree or yes. Yeah. So the Enneagram breaks it into three really levels, so to speak. We have healthy, average, unhealthy. Healthy, average, and unhealthy. And all of us fluctuate in between those periods of time. For example, I'm operating in a healthy manner right now because I feel safe and secure with you guys. But if I feel unsafe, unsecure, I haven't slept. If I'm tired, if I if I feel attacked, if I feel like you're coming at me, you're going to get the unhealthy three. And so the unhealthy three sees you guys merely as an opportunity to expand my name. And I can use you to accomplish my goals. So did you guys hear my talk today? My seven-minute talk? So I said, people are not your platform, but it is your pleasure to serve them. That is a painful truth I've had to learn for myself. And let me just tell you, people know when you're using them. You know. You know. And so, so just know, when I'm healthy... Threes make great leaders, right? We can set goals. We can captivate vision. We can lead people. People like following threes. Threes are agile. And that's why threes are oftentimes very successful in ministry because they can change. Because they don't really know who they are so they can do whatever. When they're unhealthy. But the beauty of that is uh, that we can shift and change. Whereas the eight, oh, the eight disappeared. The eight is kind of locked into who they are. It's very hard for the eight to change. So that's that's one of the ways that you can tell the difference between a three and eight. You can confuse them because they're very, very bold and they care more about getting things done and accomplishing things than people. So and they both can be very unaware of others. And most of our pastors, most of our leaders are three eights or some combination. Okay, typically uh, your senior pastors, your church planters, multi-site guys, would be a combination of three, seven, eight. Now, let me state this. Most Enneagram tests won't reveal that to you. At Sandals, we look at all your scores. Like, so if you get online and you tell your score, it's going to tell you you're a three, you're a four, you're a five. Uh, uh, you can write this down. Sandals Church backslash Enneagram. It's a test $10. Yeah, SandalsChurch.com. backslash Enneagram. Uh, is it $10, $20? Yeah, $10. And so we'll send you your scores, and what we give you is all of your scores. With the whole profile. With the whole profile that says healthy and unhealthy. And it's not, a, you're, you're taking it. So if that's wrong, you took it. I'm, that's on you. It's the way you see yourself. So that, that's what I'm saying. So, so we're, we're all, and I think your point was your name? Mike, well, I think Mike was pointing, you need to hear that we're all, uh, most of us are a combination of healthy, average, and unhealthy. But if you're not careful, you can slip into deep, deep unhealth. And that's where some of the psychosis that we're seeing in ministry comes out. And you're like, oh my gosh, how could that leader have done that? Well, an unhealthy three can get so divorced of what's really going on that they can completely slip into a false self. Okay, how much time do we have left? 15 minutes. 15 minutes. A quick, quick example. Tam and I went to counseling. For her, she needed help. <laughs> This is a true story. True story. We went there. Uh, so the first day, Tammy goes first. She shows her story. They're focused on him. But all during the day, they keep asking me questions. I'm like, stay focused on the problem, right? They, they kept asking me questions. And I was like, I was like, why are they doing that? They were like, how do you feel about this? What are you thinking? Like, we are not here for me. We are here to help her. And, and what it was is they knew I was a three. And so I'm disconnected from how I feel. Day two, at lunch. Tim and I go to get a salad. And I just I break down the ball. Because I, I realize threes oftentimes relate to the party with how we feel. We're so focused on winning, we've never even thought about do I like this game? Right. Wow. 
doesn't matter, it seems to be. Right? So, any other questions? That was great. Michael, thank you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You get the microphone. He wins. Sorry. I was going to say, what do you think it is about American culture that's producing all the sixes? I, I, I think it's our media. So I think it's a big part of it. We just we live in a very, very fearful world. And I, part of that, I think, is the spotlights on America. Everybody looks to America for uh, for everything. Like, uh, Donald Trump was with the Prime Minister of Australia this week. Anybody have any idea who that is? Do you think there's a person in Australia who doesn't know who Donald Trump is? Everybody in the world knows who he is. It's just different. The bullseye's on our backs constantly. Constantly. Uh, you know, Donald Trump said in a speech at the UN uh, that China's the second, the world's second largest economy. China can go away tomorrow, and the world's fine. If America goes under, there's no world. There's no, there's no economic world. Think about that. It's crazy. So I, I, I think the world looks to us, and I don't know how we became mom and dad, but post World War II we did, and I think that that's just that's not a good place for us to be, and so it creates anxiety. Uh, we're having to pay for everything, do everything, fight everything. Uh, you know, the United Nations is a great idea, but it's always the U.S. that goes in and deals with it, right or wrong. And we have gotten it wrong. So, just like mom and dads tend to do. So, um, and, I, and I think our politicians use us, right? Because we're more likely to vote if we're afraid. We're more likely to watch if something bad is happening. Like, imagine the news said, it's not your love, it's great. You're not watching. Because why, why would you, why would you, that's a beautiful night, turn off your TV, go in your backyard, enjoy your family. Well, they're not going to sell advertisement, you know. Uh, all advertising is based upon you're not happy unless you have this. Like the goal of advertisement is to get you to feel unhappy and not satisfied with life. And fearful, you're going to be the last person without this new phone. So, I, that's what I think. Um, I also think we're high three culture. We're high three, high six culture. So it's winning or losing. Um, and then we feel like there's a bigger turn over there, sorry. Do you think there's a, a bias in, in the testing? Similar to how they knew you were three, so you were going to respond a certain way in counseling. Um, when people take the test, are there certain types that are going to test their way away from their actual number based on, you know, predicting how their answers are? You can try it. You know, my wife can actually speak no, to No, I'm it. saying not trying. Just because of the way they answer questions or take tests. I don't know what you mean. Sorry, I'm missing it. I mean, I, I've taken a test. I was a six, high five. Okay. I went. Yeah. But when you talk about all the sins, it's nine that makes me cry. Okay. So. Yeah, then I would say, I would say you're probably a nine. More to learn. Yeah. Than the test, I think. So what I would need to look at in your score is the first thing Tammy and I would look like, look at is your score. We would look at your one score. So the one is not here. Remember the one is over here. So the one is the need to be the good person or whatever we call the reformer. So another definition of good person would say the first thing you do is you look at the one score because the one shoulds on themselves and everybody else. Most of you have a high dose of one. Particularly if you come from an Asian family, Asian families have enormous pressure that well, what they should be doing. So right, ethnicity matters. I mean, ethnicity affects, it's part of our culture. So we would look at that. And so the one... You're going to be answering subconsciously how you should answer. So I should care about this. I should want to do this. Yeah. So, so you might, especially women, tend to be twos because they feel like they should help. Yeah. Right. That's not you. Yeah. You know, that's just not who, yeah. who you are. Um, and so what I would say is, if, if the nine makes you cry, I would say this: the Holy Spirit saying, "Here you are. This is who you are." And it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have. So I keep pointing when he's there. I apologize. No one's just here. I. I would imagine you might be high five, an observant person. And that's why at Sandals we teach combinations because we want to know who you are. We really don't like, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a three. I would say I'm a high three, seven, and gifting. And I'm extraordinarily low five. No wisdom at all. Five is the wise person. And what that means is I've never thought five didn't share. Five things in, I'm like, it already came out for a lot of it. So, so. Also, if you get online and Two, three, or six. Because it's a very condensed version of the test. I'm not sure who's putting those together. So yeah. we do recommend to take the quanti like the quantified yeah. test. It was not a free one, but, yeah. but I understand. But I'm just saying that. Huh? The writing one? R H T T 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a good test. That's pretty right. accurate. But if you take, you know, when you, you can take, stand up. When you take the test, that's your freak. It's your. <laughs> when you take the test, it's your answers. So whatever that, whatever your your style comes out as, I think if, if you get your score back and you're going, this doesn't feel like me at all. I I feel like I'm way more struggling with this. You want to. First thing we would do is look at that unhealthy one score. Did you answer it the way you think you should instead of the, who you really are? Again, it's not a uh, test is actually the wrong word. Assessment is what I'm trying to retrain myself because assessment, you can't fail. This is not pass or fail. We're trying to help you figure out how you see the world and, and land there. But if you, if you test and you come out one style and you think you're totally a different style, one of, one of two things might be happening. You're so disengaged from who you really are based on who you've had to be to feel safe, secure, loved, fit into your family, be successful at your work, whatever. There's some soul searching that needs to do there is, is this who I am, but I'm the only one not aware of it? Or, like you said in your case, you really believe you're a nine, and people, but you test something else, what's happening in your world that you feel like you have to be this other way than who you really are? Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things yeah. you advance in your Enneagram training is called adaptive traits. Yeah. And so what that means is we all take on roles that we could right, we have to adapt to life. And so you may have adapted. You said you're high five and high. <laughs> what other test? High five, six. six nine, yeah. Yeah, so you may have adapted to that just because of life and things that have happened, but the core of who God's made you to be is a nine. Uh, and, so, and so that's what I would say. A six is a really, really challenging to figure out because there's two things on a six. There's the phobic six and the counterphobic six. So let me just explain that. So if you're a phobic six, you withdraw. If you're counterphobic, you attack what you're afraid of. Okay, so a lot of people, you say, well, you're an eight. Well, which is what I would have thought she was. She's a counterphobic six. She attacks things that are afraid. Her desire is not to be in control or, or to crush me. Her, her desire is to stop the anxiety and the fear of what I'm, of what I'm doing in the career. Try to take that mama bear thing. The mama bear comes out to protect the babies because they're afraid. And so, so that's what you need to know. Um, and, and I would just say, I would, I would, I would sit with a counselor. Where are you from? Norcal, yeah, there's, I mean, she probably knows some people there, but you can sit down. Uh, they don't call them counselor. What do you guys call them? You guys? Coach. So you sit down with coach, and, and they can help you figure that out. And just so you guys know, like, Tammy and I, we've been doing this now. I started this in my doctoral research in 2006. And then we, when our marriage and life almost fell apart, we really started to focus on this together. And it's really, I mean, just say it's really helped our marriage. Because we, we, we had, what I tell our churches, we had the same fight over and over and over again for years, and we could not navigate out of it. And, um, and and the bottom line is she had deep fears about who I was, and when she criticized me, I feel like a failure, and I want to be successful. And so I throw up my hands, I'm like, this is never going to work, and she's afraid I'm never going to listen, and we're both in the corners. See, it gives us language to talk about, whereas before, I would say, well, I just think you're crazy, you're ridiculous, that's stupid, right? That's, that's all demeaning talking. You don't want to talk to your wife about it. That's what I would do. Because she didn't make sense to me. So, and so this is, the Enneagram not only can help you understand yourself, but it can help you try to make sense. Because a lot of you, when you interact with an eight, if you're not an eight, you just think you're an animal. And yet, that, this might be the person that God is using you to follow, trust. And we have eights in our small group, you guys, our community group. I love them. Do you know why Nate never talks behind your back until you your face? I love that. I don't like people that talk about, you know, that talk about my Nate's like, you sucked and that was terrible. And you're just like, whoa! You know, and they're like, let's go out there and change. Each of the styles, you know, not only is able to, to give you so much on each one to help you guys understand leadership, but remember that whatever you do test, you took the you took the assessment, and so for some reason that you you decided that the computer didn't decide that, and so um, we don't recommend that you test and then test and then test again. Um, statistically, your first test typically is the most accurate. There are a few things that can make that happen, but 
if you if if you get those results and you're like, that is so not me, that's okay. You don't have to fit into the test. It's to help you get get started on the journey of self-discovery and being real with yourself. And so go through each of the styles. Every style has a set of descriptors, what they pursue. The three pursues success, the six pursues security and safety, and they have every single style has what they pursue and what they avoid. Avoids failure, avoids risk. And so if you go through those, that can help you land somewhere else also. You know what I mean? And so so familiarize with each of the styles. Narrow down. Do you think you react by by gut? Like, I don't know what I think or I feel, I just know I need to do something. The gut is the do, I gotta do it. I, or I feel it, or I think it. So um, that can help get you started. If you know your gut, head, or heart, that, that can help narrow down from you. You might be in, in one of those three categories. Yeah, and let me just say this. How many of you are church planners right here? How many church planners in here? So here's what I would say. So if you're a three and you're a church planner, you're married to a six, right? So church planning is scary. It's risky. So we left an established church that loved us. They paid our bills. Like, we got a paycheck, and we started with nothing. I was completely unaware of what that was doing to her. So then when she expresses her feelings, I feel unsupported and that she doesn't believe in me. But all she needed to do was express her fears. And I just wish we had had this tool when we got married to be able to talk about this because you need you need to be able to speak truth into your spouse's life in a way that's not an attack on them. But it's just say, hey, here's my concern. And... Um, you know, Dan Patrick's here. Uh, there's been a bunch of pastors here that you know they would not be married today if it wasn't for the Enneagram. And again, it's God, but He uses that tool just like like He used those wise men with the stars, right? Astrology, but He led them to Jesus. God can use this. What I when I tell Samuels all the time is the Word of God is what we teach. But if you can't see yourself, how are you going to interpret the Word of God? So so it's just lenses. Okay, last question was it? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, we got two. I'm super simple. When you're saying hi, you just mean the second thing we tested us? Like the, the next highest number that you yeah. tested us? Okay. Yeah, so ours looks like a graph. And so um, we, we, we put, uh, what's the top one? So it's moderate influence, low influence, high influence? We, our have, test. we have healthy and healthy. No, 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 that's at the bottom. But oh. the number is high influence, yeah, yeah, yeah. moderate influence, low influence. So when you look at, so 60 and above on your score is a high influence. Uh, 30 to 60 is moderate influence, below 30. So if you were the five, I, I scored a two on five. And I'm like a three on a nine. She's like a zero on a nine. There's no peace in our house at all, right? We're gonna fight about it until somebody dies. So that's what it's okay, last question. How do you integrate it with your family and yeah, our kids. So our kids are, uh, our daughter's a nine. Our oldest is a nine, eight, depending on the day, right? She's either passive or aggressive. Uh, my other daughter is a four. And let me say this, if you're raising a four, you have to make sure they don't hang out with fours. They will be dark, depressed, and they, man, that's what's happening in our culture. Our, our people that are in touch with their negative feelings gravitate to each other. And so our daughter latches on to dysfunctional, broken people who are ministry. And so listen to me. You know, people are ministry. People are your friends. People are your family. And you need to make sure you know it's ministry. So our four, she thinks these are all her friends. They're all ministry sucking the life out of her. And so we have to say, hey, we need you to get some sevens. Right? Let's go party. Let's have some fun. Let's have some good times. And uh, and so then our son, we think is a five. He's still young. And this is what I would say about your children. Especially young children are so influenced by the family unit. He doesn't know who he is yet. So there's parts of him that are like his sisters. There's parts of him that's like his mom. There's parts of him that are like, oh, yeah, I'm probably the least like me. Which has been so much fun for the two of us, right? Because we're so different. Uh, but he's a five. So let me say this is a five. So I'm strong eight, strong three, very passionate, partly Italian, right? Aggressive. I'm not yelling, I'm expressing my feelings, and he's a five, and he just goes, whoo. And what I always took that is, is he doesn't care, it doesn't matter to him, I'm not reaching his heart. And then I find out two days later, when he feels safe and secure, that I absolutely just destroy him. And I'm like, oh. Because, I mean, if you come at me, I'm coming at you. That's just the way I am, that's the way God made me. You know, you think, I got a problem, let me tell you about you. He is not the five, you guys. 
So I, I should have said our church. We're doing a, a series right now called Relational Remix. You can watch it free at uh, the Sandals app. But the best way with the five is make an appointment, send an email, say on Tuesday at 7 o'clock, I'd like to talk to you about the following concerns and give them time to deal with that because it's just the way they operate. Like, you send me an email? No, 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 we're talking about right now. Like, I can wait until Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We better get your butt over here. We're talking right now. So, so can you guys put your hands together and thank you We hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming art conference, visit artconference.com.